Hey guys, welcome back to Uncharted Faith. Uh, today's topic is going to be fear is a liar and how that is a lie. So stay tuned and we'll be right back with more. Alright guys, uh, stay with me as I give you this truth that God has been placed down or that's been, pl- whatever. Okay, words, right, sorry. There are things that God has been walking me through right now, and one of those things is being rigorously honest. Now, the the 12-step program I work talks about being rigorously honest, and it says that sometimes people can't really do this program um, of these 12 steps because they can't be honest with themselves. So what is? let's just look at that for a minute. What exactly does that mean? So for a long time, and I can only speak for myself, right? I can, I can speak in generality sometimes, but if I say the word we, I'm including myself. And it's not because I've got multiple personality disorder or anything like that. It's simply because I believe that we are a connected group of people on earth. And I believe that we need to stop isolating you from me and just include it as a we. And that's just, that's just something that I do personally. Sometimes people get confused when I say we. So that's what I mean when I say we. I'm including myself and I, and, and about 97.5% of the time I'm speaking from things that I've personally experienced, if not 100% of the time. Um, and if I don't, then I'm speaking from either a place of pride or maybe something that I've gathered from somebody else. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that. So, something that God has been walking me through is being rigorously honest. And and what that means is just being willing to be completely butt naked honest, right? What do I mean by that? Like, here it is. Here's, here's the unadulterated, here's the raw version of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So when I came to AA, when I was sitting in my first detox, I remember when AA was brought in and realizing like I was so confused when I went in because I I knew that I was drinking a lot, but I didn't see how that was a problem. And it was some naivety mixed in there, some ignorance, some pride. There was, I mean, the whole recipe, it was a whole thing of things, right? Because it's really not ever just one thing. If you're a prideful person, typically you're probably also an insecure person. Pride people that are unwilling to admit when they're wrong or their part in things typically are afraid of that, that lie that tells them that they're not enough. So then they try to cover it up and it looks like control. It looks like manipulation. It looks like all these other things. And so the reason why I say that fear is a liar, which is a lie, we will get to. But when we sit here and we look at fear, oftentimes fear is trying to uncover and it's trying to show us that there's deeper issues at work here, that what you're holding on to is a lie. And if we start declaring the truth and if we start looking at the wounds that led to that fear, then healing can take place and breakthrough can take place. But it's really easy to say fear is a liar. There's a whole song about it. It's really cute. It's a good Christian song. I like it. It's a, it's a decent song. Um, but today I'm here to tell you that fear is not a liar. Fear is trying to tell you what the truth is. And if we can take a moment to pause rather than to be paralyzed by whatever that fear is, you know, uh, my husband's going to leave me or let's say, um, you know, your kids are going astray or not walking the right path that you think that they should be walking. And there's that fear that cripples you that you might get that phone call or that knock on the door that says they didn't make it or that says whatever. And so, but what is, what is, what is at the root of that fear is what I want to talk about. Because if we look at, 
um, Psalms 23, which I really like Psalms 23, um, because it says, because this is the Lord is my shepherd, right? This is that passage, is that one, okay? So some of you have this hanging up in your house. Some of you have it knitted on a quilt. Um, this is a very famous passage, but I want to look at a verse that oftentimes gets very overlooked. And I'm just going to go ahead and read it because, like I said, everything's kind of all connected, right? So it all has purpose. And so it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes me. Now, I want you to, to look at that there. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm running at full speed ahead, and I don't want to sit down. I don't know how to rest. i got to go, 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 go. i got to do, 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 because the moment that I stop, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. And the Bible says that he makes us to lie down in green pastures. There are times when God makes us to sit. And I believe that in those times, it's time for healing. It's time for rest. It's time for contemplation. It's time for meditation. It's time to sit and to just be and to remember that you're not here to do. You're here to be. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, right? Because oftentimes it's like, what is it? When you go white water rafting, you've got the, the white, you have the white water, right? You've got the rushing winds over the rocks and you've got the, the water that's going to pull you under if you spill out. And it says he makes me, he leads me besides quiet waters. Why? Because God's word is quiet. It's not loud. I don't know if you've ever really walked with God, if you've ever really known him. And I know that sometimes when, when preachers get behind the pulpit, they get excited and they get passionate. Sometimes they're yelling. Sometimes they're being judgy, right? I'm not, it, there's a whole thing, right? We're people. But when it says that he makes, he leads me besides, beside quiet waters, right? And the next verse says, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. He guides me in the path of righteousness. It says he restores my soul. He can't restore my soul with all this noise going on. So he says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to make you sit down and I'm going to take you to this quiet place. Why? Because he wants to restore our soul because we are, we are people, we are fallible, we are going, we are constant, we are human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to need time to sit. We're going to need time to heal. We're going to need time to recharge. You can't drive your car 24-7. It needs a cooling off period right? It's the same with human beings. We need that period to sit and just to be still. I believe that's why God called and, and made, you know, the Sabbath, the day of rest. And, and, oh man, I feel like we have really screwed that one up because, you know, on Sundays, right? Like if I'm going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, you've got people at the church that are there orchestrating that. Like, where's the rest for them? You know, like I'm like, ah, you know, we get again, but we're doing and it's for a purpose and he's called us to do it. So where is that restoring of my soul? Where are those quiet waters? And it says that he makes me to lie down. So there's times that maybe you don't understand what's going on in your world. Maybe you're going through a, a drought with employment and you're having a hard time finding maybe this is your season where God said I am leading you besides still waters and he wants you to quiet your mind and that fear okay there's that fear that fear wants to creep in and say you're not enough you're going to run out of finance and God's like I feel like he sometimes is, is hitting his forehead against the palm of his uh his hand and just saying like oh my goodness like please this this time and the season is for a purpose and all you can see are the unknowns. All you can see is the unemployment. All you can see is the fact that the husband left you. All you can see are the divorce papers, but I'm trying to lead you to quiet waters to restore 
your soul. There's a verse, I believe it's in Matthew, that talks about if he so clothes the grass of the field and waters them and feeds the birds and waters the lilies. I'm sure I butchered that, but he's saying that if I can, if I can water the grass, if I can feed the birds, how much more am I going to take care of you? So if you are in a season of time of unknowing, God says, yo, step outside. It's still alive and it's still working. The clouds are still there. The sky is still in place. The grass is still being watered. The birds are still being fed. How much more am I going to take care of you? But the problem comes is that fear shows up and then all of a sudden we're crippled. All of a sudden we're going, going, going and our mind is pulled in 12 different directions and we're saying, I just don't know and we're reaching out at church and we're scribbling a prayer request and we're, we're texting our prayer partner and we're saying, I need you to pray for this for me and those are good things but don't get caught up in the doing when God is calling you to be if you are someone's prayer partner or someone that joins with someone else and helps to carry those burdens don't get caught up and just saying yes I'm going to do this for you get use that <coughs> as an opportunity to say have you have you spent five minutes of quiet today not praying not worrying not fear but five minutes to let your mind settle down we call it meditation. We call it going for a walk. Go for a walk without the phone, without the Apple Watch, without the dog, without the kids. Take a five-minute walk. Get alone. Quiet your mind. Quiet those fears. Quiet those worries. The kids will be there when you get back. The dog will still be there when you get back. He can go for a walk another time. Stop doing and start being. It is by these simple practices because that fear creeps in and says, I can't, I have to. And yes, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. These are great things. But what I'm challenging you to do is to take a moment to pause because if God is bringing you in a season as he is me right now, where it's time to just sit for a moment and to enjoy the quiet, to allow your soul to be restored. And if we go back to that first point when I was talking about when I entered this 12-step program back in 2015 or when I was exposed to it, it talked about rigorous honesty. Well, what in the world does that mean? Are you an alcoholic? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I drink too much. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can admit that. Admitted that you were powerless. Well, you know, I don't, I have the power to choose and, you know... And so this rigorous honesty, and if I can't get honest about this one very, very freaking simple thing, this one thing that seems to be ailing my life, how in the world can I expect myself to get honest about the inner makings and the inner brokenness and everything else that's going on inside? I could not. Sometimes worry becomes our idol. Because we feel like if we're worrying about something that somehow we have this control over the situation and we in turn are playing God. And even though you're praying for your children, you're constantly worrying, you're constantly trying to herd them towards the direction that you think that they should go rather than praying over them and saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And what I speak over them and what I tell them and what I, what I suggest of them, not my will, but yours be done in all things. 
Yes, you're going to worry about your children. That doesn't mean that you're wrong for doing so. But when we try to control and manipulate and control the narrative, we have no idea what God is working at hand. And when we try to step in and, and put our sprinkle our little magical fairy dust and say, no, I want them to be protected. Will you stop it? Because the very same things that I walked through that I'm sure that if my parents even knew really the half of it, they would have tried to come in and swarm in and rescue me and helicopter mom and helicopter dad and try to protect. And God says, stop it. Is my grace not sufficient even for that? There's a verse that tells me that what man made for evil, God can use for good. There's another verse that empowers me that says the best that man can do is take me out and I wake up in the arms of Christ. So stop living in fear and stop living in worry and stop living in all these things because what you're really saying is, God, I don't believe you. But yet you're going to go to church, you're going to dress your kids up in their Easter best, and you're going to go with your smiles and your hair that you spent 30 minutes on, and you're going to go hoping that your makeup looks just right, and you're going to go and buy that cute little coach purse that matches your cute little new dress, and God says, stop it. Stop showing up and looking like you have it all together when you know that you don't, when your heart is far from me. Because when you dressed those kids that morning, they had to look perfect, didn't they? You got mad when they wanted to go outside and play and be children. And God says, stop it. There's grace. Let them go to church with dirt on their clothes. Because at least they're going to go to church with a smile on their face. We are so concerned with what we look like on the outside that we don't let God show up for us. Your worry is negating God's grace. Your worry is keeping you from a breakthrough. Your worry is keeping you from a miracle. They might go to jail. They might screw up. They might fail a grade. Is God's grace not good enough? When Jesus died on the cross, I don't think that he asked me my opinion on what I thought about my life and about my traumas. He said, I've got enough grace for that too. He said, my blood covers your sin. It covers their sin. So why don't we stop crying about spilt milk and get up so you can see what I can do? He says, let me lead you by still waters. Fear is a liar and that is a lie because fear is something that God wants to use in your life to reveal to you two things. He wants to reveal to you the truth. And then the second thing we're going to wait on because I think the second thing is a little more of an aha moment. But fear wants to show you what the truth says. So if I'm in fear over my finances, okay, the truth says that I'm not trusting God. The truth says, I don't think God's going to show up for me. But let's play this out, shall we? Let's say I don't have enough finances. I can't, I can't make my mortgage payments. Uh, I can't have groceries. I, I, I don't have enough whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, are there not still places around town that are, you know, they provide food for people that can't afford it? Last I checked, if I miss one payment, my house isn't going to be foreclosed on. Right. So like even if you play out the scenario, chances are it's not going to be this doom and gloom. I'm not going to be living outside and drinking from a water hose. It's just not going to happen. But what, what I sit here and when I try to hold on to that anxiety and that stuff, 
All that does is keep me from living in the moment. All that does is keep me from declaring the truth. And the truth says that if God can water the lilies and feed the birds, how much more is he going to care for me? The infamous Lord's Prayer. How, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know what one of the first things God told me last year in July of 2022, when I was unsure where the next job was going to come from, if I would have a job, if I still had one, if I was going to eat that day because there was only so much money I had in the bank account. When, when I heard the Lord's Prayer, when we wrapped up in my 12-step program, when we said that, God says, I will always provide for you your daily bread. And he did. And it could have been a stranger. It could have been... A plethora of things, but he always provided. And so what faith calls us to do is the uncomfortable, right? They say, oh, well, you can't have fear and faith at the same time. I, I say you're wrong. My faith is stretched by taking fear with me because when, when the Bible says, if we look back at Psalms 23, I haven't even gotten to the right verse yet. It says, he restores my soul, verse 3, he guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not about me, it's about him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. It doesn't say I fear no fear. It says I fear no evil, for you are with me. What does that mean? That means I'm declaring the truth. It means that even though, what's evil? What's evil is saying like God can't show up for me in my finances. What's evil is saying is God can't show up for my kids in, in their depression. And God can't show up for my kids in their anxiety and in their addiction. Or God can't show up for my kids however I think that he needs to show up for it because God really wants you to stop playing God because that's evil. Stop it. I fear no evil for you are with me. Talking about God. And you, uh, it says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I will just shut up and sit down for a minute and allow God to let me sit down by the green pastures and lead me beside the quiet waters, not only will he restore my soul, it says here that he will comfort me. You know how comforting it is to know that I'm not alone today? You know how comforting it is to know that God's got me? And in the same hand, I'm still fearful sometimes because I'm still afraid. Because I don't know. But during that time, I'm still going. I'm still trusting. I'm still believing. At the same time, that's how my faith is stretched. That's how my faith grows. It doesn't just magically grow because my church attendance this month has been spot on. Showed up five minutes early, I left five minutes late. I am, I am great. No. There's nothing to do with that. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What are my enemies? We call them monkeys sometimes, like the monkeys in your brain or demons. You know, we call them a different thousand different things. Enemies doesn't mean that someone is coming against you. It's not your ex-husband, your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend. Those aren't your enemies. The enemies that are around us are of spiritual nature. It's a spiritual warfare. And so when it talks about you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies... Why? Because when I'm with God, I can sit down and have fear at the table and I can have worry and doubt and anxiety and depression. All these things, I, the Lord has, I, they, I, they can all be at the table. 
And I'm at peace within because I know who is with me. And so I heard over this weekend at this retreat that I went to that the, I've trained the monkeys in my head to sit down with me. And I've also heard from a, another therapist that I went to years ago. And I love how all this is all connected. It all comes together. I promise you, even though we don't see the whole picture of the puzzle and it's a thousand pieces and we feel like we're missing a few, God says, if you just hold on, it'll come together. So in 2000, I think it was 15 or 14 that I was seeing a therapist in Northern Kentucky. And he said, he said, Ruth, what I'm going to teach you, most people get up out of your chair and they leave. He said, what I'm not going to teach you is how to put everything in the closet or to put it in the filing cabinet and put it away. And he said, why? Because that filing cabinet comes open, that closet door comes open eventually. And all of a sudden, all these demons come out. And he said, what I'm going to teach you is to how to make friends with your enemies, how to make friends with your past, how to make friends with those wounds, how to make friends with those things that once have crippled you and paralyzed you, how to make friends with those lies that tell you that you're not enough. Because do you really believe that after three decades of believing you're not enough, that poof, magically it's going to be gone in a day no you have to fight it the bible says that we have to daily die to ourselves to daily carry our cross what does that mean that means i have to daily declare the truth over these lives it's not just going to happen overnight and yes when we exercise that muscle it gets stronger and it gets stronger but what happens when we go and we leave the gym for a week what happens when we stop running for a few months all of a sudden, those muscles have started to relax. They're not as strong as they used to be, and we have to build it back up. It is the exact same thing with our faith. It is the exact same thing with worry and with fear, with anxiety and with doubt. And what do we do? Day after day after day, we berate ourselves and we beat ourselves up saying, I should know better by now. Stop it. It is a daily battle. And do you think that the one thing that has vexed you your whole life is magically going to go away? So stop trying to tell yourself that you need to be better and do better. And this person seems to have it all together. Stop comparing yourself. Your journey is not their journey. Your journey is your journey. Your journey is meant to set you free. Your journey is meant to set your kids free. Your journey is meant for you to find freedom and happiness and love and joy and peace. But it's a daily battle. It's a spiritual warfare. Those demons are coming. That fear is coming. Those lies are coming. They're here when you were resting last night they were resting beside you so when you wake up in the morning the first thing that you should do is get on your knees and say god not my will but yours be done and you know that fear is just around the corner because it was there yesterday and it was there the day before and so what we have to do is we have to counter the truth because the bible says that he will set a table in the presence of my enemies he doesn't say he's going to remove the enemies Fear is a liar, yes, but that is also a lie because the Bible says to confront that fear. It says to make friends with it. It says he will set a table in the presence of my enemies. Well, how in the world am I going to do that when this fear has kept me stuck, when this fear has kept me in the same job with the same position? Because if I step out, well, I'm afraid of success. No, you're not. You're afraid to make a move. We call it something nice, but all we're doing is dancing up that, that, that demon or that fear or that lie in a different coat, and we're calling it something different. Anxiety is fear. And oftentimes, my fear is covering up a lie of an old wound. That's the second thing that fear reveals is wounds. If you believe that you're not enough, there's probably a time in your childhood 
where you were treated like you weren't enough and all of a sudden that became your new coat. It became your new presence of what you wore every day. I'm not enough. These kids don't like me. I'm different. These kids, I don't look like them. I don't sound like them. I don't enjoy the same things that they enjoy. And all of a sudden, we feel isolated and rejected and we learn to live there. So the second thing that fear is supposed to do, not only is it supposed to reveal the truth in our lives, but it's also supposed to reveal those wounds. When I go back to this rigorous honesty, something amazing happened. This weekend, they said, what is something you want to be accountable for? What is something that you want to do? And I said, I want to be honest. I call it butt naked honest. It's, here's, here's, the, here's, what, here's what it is. I can't do anything about it at this moment in time, but here's the truth. And so something crazy happened. You know, over this weekend, we had an accountability person that we picked a name out of a hat and we're supposed to help them and they're supposed to help us. Uh, and it's different people, right? Well, I saw whose name I drew. And then when I finally found her in the crowd, I was like, oh, she's going to reject me. She's older, right? I have a very young face. So oftentimes people think I'm in my 20s. And regardless, I get judged a lot by how I look and by how young I am. And people dismiss me all the time, all the time. And it hurts my feelings. And then I'm reminded of that lie that I'm not enough. And then I sink back and I don't do anything and I don't move forward, right? I have a best friend and there's certain things that I haven't told her because I was like, well, if I tell her this, then she might leave because everybody eventually leaves. Why? Because people left when I was a child. My sister didn't want to be my friend as a child. And so eventually people leave or they just want things from you and then they leave again. And then it's just like, ah. So when I start behaving from those old wounds, right, those old behaviors and those old thoughts are trying to reveal to me what God is trying to reveal to me are those old wounds. Because he says, if you can tell the truth right now in 2023 on May the 28th, I can heal this wound from back here in 2008. I can heal this wound back here from 1998, from 1978. And a lot of us are holding on to these old wounds that have lived with us for decades. They've become a part of who we are. And God says, I want to heal that. But you got to get honest. And so on the last day of this retreat, I saw my accountability person. I had texted her the day before. It was something really cool, really powerful. I was really, really, really uh, impressed with myself. But I had avoided her. I had ignored her physically and I felt God saying you need to tell her the truth and so she had shared something that morning that was very beautiful and it touched my heart and just tears were brought to my eyes as tears were brought to her eyes as she's sharing something as she's allowing herself to be vulnerable as she's allowing herself to be seen and to be heard and to be known and being brave and being strong in that moment because when we speak our truth when we speak up about what's going on in the inside, right? In that moment, so many chains are being broken. We are learning to be at peace with those demons that once held us. So she's speaking her truth and it's touching my heart. And so after it was all said and done, I went up to her, I said, so-and-so, I need to be honest with you. I said, when I pulled your name and I found you in the crowd and I told her, I told on myself, I said, look, I said, 
So many women your age reject me because I'm young and I thought that you would think that I didn't have anything to offer you. And so I shied away and I cowered away and I didn't come say hi. And I wanted to tell you that and I wanted to apologize for that. And I wanted to see if you'd still be willing to move forward with me. And in that moment, all those women that had rejected me all those wounds and those scars started to heal. I didn't know that when it says the truth will set you free, that lovely cliche, I know it's a verse somewhere, but what that means is that those wounds can finally start to heal. It's a process, right? But because I was able to step out in faith with fear, and to speak the truth that I had held on to, I was able to set those demons free and I was able to sit in the presence of those demons. Now I'm going to flip over to Proverbs 16, 7 and I won't, I won't read all of it as I want to for time. But 16, 1 through 7 and 16, just whatever, read the chapter, it's great. But verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Okay, the verse above it. Verse 6. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. When we seek God's face, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, when we seek first the kingdom of God, God says, that's what it's talking about, that fear, that atonement, that seeking his face. When we fear, by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. So when I'm staying close with who God is to me, then all of a sudden I'm making my enemies to be at peace with me. All of a sudden that fear, I see you and I hear you, but you ain't, mm -mm. no, I'm not really listening though. Like I hear you and I see you and you can sit here, but you don't control me today. You don't own me today. I'm not walking in that. And so even though I see you and I feel you in that presence and that I can feel that in the pit of my stomach that I'm afraid and my chest is a little tight right now because I'm not quite sure what to do, I'm going to go ahead because I'm seeking his face today. Because I'm seeking not my will but yours be done. All these things are connected. I can't have faith without fear. Fear just comes with me, right? That fear is a liar, but it's, it's not. That fear is actually in the hands of my higher power of God as I understand him. My fear in his hands reveals to me these wounds that need to be healed. And so even though I thought I was just speaking up and speaking the truth and telling on myself, what God was really doing was healing those old wounds. And he says, now we can be more free. Now you can understand a new peace and a new happiness and a new freedom. And I'm, I'll wrap up. <clears throat> it's been a good old 31 minutes. You guys have stuck with me, so thank you. But I just want to challenge you this morning. When you're looking at that fear that comes knocking, because like I said, it's going to come knocking every day. This shouldn't surprise you. By this point it's never going to magically go away but God says that he can make even our enemies to be at peace with us and that means fear that means anxiety that means depression that means addiction that means all these ailments our pride that's a big one God calls it abomination 
that pride needs to take a back seat and you need to die to it because there's certain things that God is telling us that we have to die to every single day. I wake up <laughs> the same person I went to bed with, right? And that person needs a lot of God. And uh, I, I'm not going to reach perfection, but what I can do today is to say that I know that I know that I know that when I speak the truth that those enemies, those monkeys in my head are being trained to sit the heck down. So I'm going to pray and we're going to wrap up and y'all have a great day. Take, take fear with you. Faith without fear. Just let God be God today in your life. That's my prayer for you. God, I just pray that you help us to let you be God today. I pray that not our will be done, but yours be done. And that we learn that that fear is not meant to cripple us, but it's meant to heal us if we give it over to you. It's meant to show us what the truth is. And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to declare the truth, that we are enough, that you will provide, that you do give us our daily bread. And Father, please help us not to worry so much about everybody else that we sit here and try to play God because what we're doing in those moments is that we're not looking at the person in the mirror because it's so much easier to control and to worry about other people than to look at myself in the mirror and to face that pride, to face that hurt, to face that sexual abuse, to face that rejection, to face that isolation, to face that weird, that uh, just to face it, God. May we stop and let go of those reins of control. May we stop worrying about what's going on in this moment because every time we do that, Lord, we are giving that fear. We're giving those enemies that surround us, Lord, a little bit more power. God, may we really pray and declare and to stand on, not my will, but yours be done. May we truly walk in it today. May you give us the strength, Lord, just for today. Give us the strength to seek your face. Give us the strength to walk it out just for today, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I hope you guys have the best day ever. It's the only one we have. All right. Love you guys.